to Sunday School this morning. Come on in, guys. Uh, we are glad you're with us. This is what our church considers discipleship ministry on Sunday morning prior to worship. And so we are, uh, as a church, we've been going through our confessional standards. Our confession is the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Larger and Short Catechism. So we've been going through the chapter-by-chapter chapter, uh, listing of the doctrines of our faith in the Westminster Confession. We finished chapter 11. There are 33 chapters, so we are approximately one-third of the way through. Uh, but we're in, I would call it, the second section of the Confession. We had some preliminary, big-picture ideas about God and truth in the very opening of the Confession. Namely, where do we know the truth at all? Authority. It's in Scripture. Uh, you know, the nature... nature tells us a lot about God, the, the attributes of God, yes. But understanding salvation and God's will for our salvation must come through God's Word and, and, and taught by the Spirit. Then we looked at who God was. God is uh, the Trinity, revealed as Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We looked at how He creates. We looked at His providence. We saw also in chapter 6 the special providence regarding sin, the fall, and judgment. And then we saw how God had, in chapter 3, set forward His eternal plan for salvation. And we see Him, in the next two chapters, operating that that plan in time and space with with the covenant and the Redeemer, uh, looking at uh, free will. Then we got into um, the, uh, uh, I guess it would be the, uh, what do you call this, the uh, application of salvation. Uh, through chapter 10, effectual calling, then chapter 11, justification, and then chapter 12 now, adoption. And we see that there's an ordo salutis, an ordo salutis, order of salvation. It's good to occasionally throw some Latin on the board, and so we'll do that right now. So we got justification. We're joining the ordo salutis and, 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 and progress. We got adopt. We got justification, adoption, sanctification. All right. Now, let's think about these three words. Justification. We saw the last three weeks is a, a doctrine that uses language from what area of our life? What area of life is justification borrowing language from? Wow. Law, legal, the law courts, right? The judge, righteousness, uh, innocent, guilty, uh, acquitted. Uh, ju- these, are, these are legal terms. Uh, justification is a forensic legal term. Uh, you are justified or you are guilty. Justified meaning you are not guilty and you are righteous. You have, dis- you have met the standards of righteousness that God has for us. So this is a legal uh, uh, way of describing God's work of salvation in the covenant of grace. And then we see uh, the um, next one, which we're going to read about today, is adoption. Uh, And adoption and justification go together. They're uh, free acts of God's grace. Uh, And and where he pardons our sins and counts us righteous in justification, we'll see what he does in adoption today. And then we'll see uh, that that's going to be uh, familial language, right? So we've got legal language. We've got uh, household language here, familial language, uh, and then 
family, and then we've got uh, sanctification. You might think about this as more medical language. God's healing. Hey, speaking of the doctor, she's here. Uh, <laughs> sanctification, we want to think of that in terms of healing. Uh, God is transforming us uh, into what we are uh, called to be, which is into the image of Christ, into uh, becoming what we are declared to be in justification. So he's transforming us, healing us, working out salvation in our uh, in our experience, in our lives. Okay, with that said, let's get to it. This morning we'll read the, the one chapter here on our uh, page, or one section of chapter 12. This is the shortest chapter in the entire confession. We'll talk about that in just a moment, but let's get to it. We'll read it, and then we will uh, pray. Let's, let's read and pray. It says, uh, you're looking at the, uh, the italic uh, print right here. All those that are justified... God vouchsafeth in and for his only Son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put upon them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for, and chastened by him as a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption, and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. Now let us pray before we get rolling. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would cast light upon uh, these summaries of your word, and we ask that your scriptures as we read them today would would powerfully uh, teach us uh, your will for our salvation uh, and your graciousness to us and your glory in them. Uh, we uh, thank you for the love uh, that you have, uh, you, you have deployed in the choosing us uh, to be adopted uh, before the foundation of the world in your love. We, we thank you for these blessings that we just read uh, in the summary statement, and we uh, ask that you would help us to understand them and to apply them as we consider how we are to glorify you and, and love our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ today. Our Father, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as we consider this, uh, why is this section so short? Uh, you'll notice that it's, it's short, but it is packed with benefits. Uh, you see that it's a, it's a statement of what the adoption is, uh, and then you see uh, we enjoy in this third line or second line there the liberties and privileges of the children of God, and and, you, and it goes on and on and on with a list of of benefits uh, you see there of what it is to be uh, received in this number and have the liberties and privileges of the children of God. So why is it so short? Uh, and and I would I, I would I, people uh, who know uh, say that this is probably the shortest one because unlike justification, which we had a three-page handout on with many scripture references and sections uh, describing the doctrine of justification. This was a non-controversial doctrine. Adoption was not controversial. There was no confusion about it. And so it's necessary to know, but uh, no one was confused about it. And I would argue that uh, that is, um, uh, I think it'd be more, uh, more confusing today than it was in the 1640s, uh, as you think about that. So I want to ask you uh, about the uh, if you are you aware of the modernist controversy about adoption, and I don't even know if it, that's a real like, way of describing it. I think I just made that up. But uh, but the modernist uh, in the 20th century 
uh, would like, you know, uh, I call it, um, some people call it liberal theology, but I call it theology of confusion. Uh, I, I think it is not Christian, it's sub-Christian, it's not Christian to say you have a liberal Christianity. Uh, and this would be an argument of J. Gresham Machen. He says, liberal Christianity is a different religion entirely. <laughs> and so, like, it's not Christianity. Now, I'm not talking about politically, I'm talking about liberal in the sense of it doesn't affirm the, the, the authority and inerrancy and fallibility of Scripture. Uh, it denies things like miracles, the virgin birth. It denies that Christ rose bodily from the grave. It denies the, the, that God uh, specially made men and women uh, from the dust uh, in the space of six days. I mean, various doctrines that are uh, hallmarks of biblical Christian theology, it denies. So it has a different you know, belief set entirely. What the modernist Christianity wanted to affirm and say is the hallmark of Christianity is this that they believe in the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. The universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. And that could not be any more wrong. Uh, there is no such thing as the universal fatherhood of God. When you talk about the fatherhood of God, it is by adoption that we are in the, in the family of God. And not everyone is adopted. So there's no, no such thing as the universal fatherhood of God unless you're talking about universal in the sense of all tribes, tongues, and nations, but not every individual without exception who's ever existed. So yes, there are people in all tribes, tongues, and nations that are in the family of God, but we're not talking about God as the father of all people uh, in, in the sense of having these privileges that we just articulated in this section. So there's no fatherhood that's universal in the Bible of God. Uh, in fact, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and says, you and John 8 are, are just like your father, the devil. Uh, you know, you, you resemble him, uh, unlike the Heavenly Father, right? So, so, he, so he makes the point, uh, we ought to make the point, that's a pretty obvious point, that there's no such thing as a universal Father of God. But that is language that is deployed all over the place. Because you know what? The liberals or the modernists kind of controlled a lot of the seminaries and the commentaries. And so you've got, you'll have the pastors and teachers in the churches who are not uh, up on all the, all the arguments, and they'll start teaching this, these errors. You know, because they don't know any better. And so you've got, you've got a church that has a lot of uh, universal fatherhood of God preached from the pulpits uh, and, and written in, in writings and books. And so, so that's, a, that's a bad deal. Also, the universal brotherhood of man. Uh, R.C. Sproul once said that there is no such thing as the universal brotherhood of man. Uh, there's the universal neighborhood of man. <laughs> we're all neighbors, uh, but we're not all brothers and sisters. You see, you, you have to, to be a brother and sister, you have to be adopted into the family, but everyone's our neighbor. So the universal neighborhood, but we're not all brothers. So you, you want to be careful about how you think about uh, the, those terms of brotherhood and fatherhood. Does that make sense, guys? Uh, fatherhood and brotherhood, we're clear on that? Okay, that, that's why I would think you'd spend more time talking about that today because of the advent of, of liberals, uh, mainly Presbyterians, honestly, uh, in, the, in the early 20th century and late 19th century. Uh, articulating these errors and, and, and then mass producing them and, and copying them to all the churches. And it's just horrible. And that's why we have uh, new Presbyterian denominations in the 20th century and new seminaries. And uh, many of them I'm grateful for and thankful for uh, now. So, all right, so let's dive into it, this, if you will, this morning. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 1 5, and we'll look at Galatians 4 uh, 4. Uh, would someone pull up Ephesians 1 5 for me, and then will someone get Galatians 4 for me, if you will? Thank you. Uh, if we'll start at, maybe just start at three okay. and go to five. All right. Blessed 
be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, so... So it says now, who is he speaking to in that text? Is, he, is this a letter to every single individual who's ever existed? It's a letter to men and women in a church. And he says, you have been, before the foundation of the world, chosen by him and adopted, right, to be the sons of God. So men and women, sons of God, meaning you get the status. So Because so the, the son got the status, right, the, the inheritance. It's an inheritance word. Okay, so it's not a sexist term. It's a, it's a term of inheritance. Now, uh, some, someone, someone once said, you know, hey, uh, you know, women, you got to be okay with being called the sons of God. But men, you also got to be okay with being called the bride of Christ. So it cuts both ways. It's a very good, very good way of thinking about it. These are, these are not diminishing genders or, or men and women. They're, they're theological descriptors of salvation. Uh, to think about the, the bride of Christ, God's covenant love on us as his, as his bride, to describe how God relates to us in the covenant, and also and these covenant blessings and inheritance we receive by adoption. Mm-hmm. So you see that, that this adoption was not some, you know, second, second uh, uh, plan B, but this, uh, this adoption situation was plan A from the outset, from eternity. Uh, in the mind of God, in the counsel of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have always, according to Ephesians 1, uh, you can, if you want to argue with me, you can dispute with, with Paul in Ephesians 1, but it is clearly articulated that we have bulletins, Ross, Yes, sir. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Ephesians 1 says that we are f- uh, chosen in him for adoption before the foundation of the world to be sons of God. All right, let's look at uh, Galatians 4, uh, 4 through 7. Who's got that one? I have it. Thank you, Adele. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, <clears throat> that we might receive adoption to sonship. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is, again, um, speaking of adoption to sonship, uh, another passage that clearly articulates this as a principal blessing of the covenant of grace. Uh, okay. All right. Um, any questions so far? Happy to answer any. Fielding. We got, uh, we got some time left, but here. Uh, that's, that's it. Uh, that's it. It's, taught, it's taught in Scripture. Close the books and let's go home. No, there's more. There's more. There's more. There's even more. Uh, which is, number two, uh, let's, let's, look at, let's look at this. Uh, uh, what are... Um, what makes this distinctive from justification and sanctification? I want to review this because some of you guys were coming in late, and I was just getting started uh, a little bit late. But anyway, justification is the language of legal courts, judges, righteousness, stand, legal status. Adoption is familial. Uh, and, th- and it would make sense that they would both be part of salvation because this has been God's plan, not just to declare us righteous, but to welcome us to the table, welcome us to the family, to the home and prepare uh, a place for us in his household. Uh, and then sanctification is the language of healing and, and, and the medicine. So we got law, uh, family, medicine here as, as descriptors uh, of how God works in our salvation. These two, justification and adoption, are acts of God. Uh, we have nothing to do with them. Uh, this one, which we'll discuss uh, next time, is a work of God. Uh, but we do participate in that. It's a work of God whereby we also are participating in it. But thankfully, these are uh, 
all of them are connected to the sovereignty of God in our salvation, and they're inextricably linked to union with Christ. So we're going to have all of them if we're in him. So this is good news, justification, adoption, and sanctification. All right, with that said, uh, what privileges of adoption are highlighted in, uh, in John 1.12 and Romans 8.17? Would someone look up John 1.12? And would Ross, would you get that one? Uh, and uh, uh, Sandy, uh, Romans 8.17? Sure. Thank you. Great stuff. Hmm. Okay, uh, Ross, you ready? Thank you. Yes, sir. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Thank you. To those who believe, he gave the right to become children of God. Uh, there we go. Uh, pretty clear. Uh, the rights. Uh, and then what are some of those rights? Let's look at uh, uh, Romans eight seventeen. Samuel, you read that one. It says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. All right. You know, this is that heir, the rights again. And then also before that, you'd see uh, the the ability to cry out, Abba, Father, in that, in that famous Romans 8 passage. Uh, you know, I believe it's J.I. Packer uh, called this the, the, the pinnacle of the Bible, uh, that we uh, now can call on God as Father by the work of the Spirit. Uh, to to, uh, to em- embrace Him as Father is the, is the miracle uh, that all of creation has been pointing, uh, moving toward, as Ephesians 1.5 would, would demonstrate also. Uh, okay, so say we bear a family name. Uh, how does that affect our public behavior uh, if we bear a family name? How, would, how should that affect us? We don't want to ruin our reputation. Yeah, you're, you're, wearing, you're wearing the name of your, your family. Um, you know, think about uh, here in Norman, you know, if, a, if an OU football player is out there doing bad things, uh, they're, they're, they're prone to get kicked off the team uh, because they're, uh, they're bringing dishonor onto the whole uh, university and the program, right? You can be kicked out. Uh, you know, several several students on a bus, you know, sang a, a, a racist song uh, uh, at OU students uh, several years ago, and they were uh, essentially booted from the university uh, because of what they uh, what they had what the, the consequences of that. Because uh, they, they they are uh, under under obligation now. Um, what's interesting about adoptions is I, I've known people who have uh, adopted children, uh, and you'd think that'd be a final final uh, deal, you know, but uh, I've also known people who have adopted children and then been like, oh, wait, we've made a huge mistake. And they've taken them back. They've, put, they've given them back, you know, and that's, that's, that's happened. Uh, it's, it's because the, these children have caused so much pain and agony in the household that they've had to, had to turn them back loose, you know, to, to the, uh, to the, back to the authorities in the state, right? So, uh, you know, that's not going to happen here. Uh, that's not going to happen in, uh, with God. Because uh, he is not like uh, our father, uh, or uh, maybe our, our, our mother, or you know, uh, that's going to be unable to to bear us. Uh, he didn't pick us because we were going to make his life easier, or, or because we're qualified. He chose us in love, right? So this this does not account our works. This love uh, qualifies us rather than picks us because we're qualified. So there's a a major difference in the way we understand adoption. Uh, 
uh, we see it, we see similarities, but we see uh, a difference in the way God relates to us in adoption. Uh, okay, now, uh, what would be, uh, since we bear the family name of God, how would that affect our private thoughts? How should that affect our private thoughts? We, know, we talked about public, but what about private? Uh, yeah, that, it's a, this whole public-private <laughs> distinction uh, is helpful for some things, but, but as it regards our Father in Heaven, uh, you know, we, we're to be the same all the, all the time, right? Because we bear the name of God in public and in private. So that's a, that's a really good, good point. Uh, uh, six, uh, let's see. Um, in uh, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 6.18, uh, it's saying, uh, Paul says, We are the temple of the living God. And God says uh, he will make his dwelling among and walk among them. He says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now, this is fascinating because uh, we haven't uh, touched no unclean thing. We haven't uh, been separate from the world we haven't uh, gone out and become this holy people like our holy God. We haven't accomplished that, but Christ has accomplished that for us, and that's what our justification is. And on the basis of our justification, we are also uh, adopted uh, uh, on the merits of Christ. Uh, this, is the, this is the merits, again, not our own works, but Christ is the foundation and ground of our adoption. You see there, he, will be, he says, I will be a father to you. You should be the sons and daughters of me. According to their obedience, yes but our obedience through Christ, because Christ takes our disobedience upon him and bears the reproach, bears the curse, bears the judgment for our sins upon a cross so that they are no more, uh, they are finished, and we, through faith, receive his righteousness, and all of his sonship becomes ours through faith. That's how adoption works. And, and the Holy Spirit is this spirit of adoption. He's called the spirit of adoption, that he enables us to call out Abba, Father, to cry out to our Father in heaven because he changes us internally. We talked about effectual calling a few weeks ago uh, and changes us from a, from a sinner to a saint, whereas we, can, we, want, we want God. We, we hear his call and we are compelled to follow him and compelled to, uh, to trust him and believe uh, versus before we are unable to believe uh, before the work of the Spirit. That's why the, the Spirit's probably called the Spirit of Adoption. Uh, he, he brings us in. Uh, what does the Bible teach about? Uh, one of the benefits we have is discipline. Now, who thinks discipline's a great thing? Uh, discipline, uh, you know, chastening, right? Chastening is, is the word they use there. Uh, what, what does it say? Where does the Bible teach that? Let's look at, at Hebrews 12, 6. One of the benefits we share uh, is that, I, and I, I think one of the best, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, examples of discipline is in the, uh, the football field and co- in the practice field when my coach would yell at me and say, hey, when I stop yelling at you, it means I stop caring about you. You know, so he, 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 because he, he has a vested interest in, in players that he yells at because uh, he wants us to get better. And, uh, and so he's disciplining us and chastening us in order to make us a better player and a better team ultimately. So it says in, uh, if you look at Hebrews 12, uh, it says, um, uh, four, in, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. 
And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And it uses sons language again here. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises everyone he receives. You see that he's quoting uh, Proverbs and applying that to believers. And it says in 7, if, you, if it is for discipline that you have to endure, uh, God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Um, and if you're left without discipline, in which you, uh, then you would be illegitimate children and not sons. You see what he's saying there. Our earthly fathers discipline us, and this is a good thing. And so it shall be with our heavenly father who, who disciplines us. Uh, as, as, and he says, it makes a good If you're reading along in Hebrews 12 and 10, it says, For our earthly fathers discipline us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines for us, uh, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now, I can't guarantee all the discipline I give my kids is gonna gonna really turn out. I mean, like I, I mean, I'm gonna try to do the best I can, uh, you know, with the with the knowledge I have and the wisdom I have now. Uh, but uh, we know that God. In his discipline, it's even better because uh, it's going to br- bring us to holiness, and he is all-knowing and, and, and sovereign to make all the things turn out to the good, right? So we know that all things work to good for those who love God and called important to purpose. All right, so um, any questions thus far? Kind of shooting, shooting around the topic of adoption. Can you uh, mm-hmm. re-explain the spirit of adoption that confuses yeah, so, so in the scriptures, in Galatians 4 and in, Ephes- uh, in uh, Romans 8, uh, the spirit is called the spirit of adoption. And I believe the reason he does that, uh, it's the name of the spirit of adoption, is to, to uh, emphasize the spirit's role in, in, in transforming us from those who are uh, outsiders, uh, who are orphans, and to becoming sons. So uh, is it the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, yes. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Adoption. He is called the Spirit of Adoption. Yeah. So, uh, new thing, new, new news. This is good. Yeah. He, he, well, it was in our uh, Bible yeah. study lesson this week. Okay. Oh, it was, in the, it was also there. So, you're getting bombarded with this. Okay. So, so, yeah, maybe the Lord's trying to tell you something. I don't know. So, you need to know that the Spirit is not some uh, impersonal force. Uh, he is a person. And he brings you, no, yeah, I'm saying, but this is something that the common misunderstanding. Yes. He is yes. a person who brings you into the loving fellowship that the Father and Son have known in eternity. Yeah, you get to participate in the love of the Trinity. So that's why he calls him the spirit of adoption. He reunites you. And you feel that. You feel that. You feel it in part now, but someday you'll feel it even more. And it'll be, it's, it's, uh, it surpasses knowledge. It brings peace. It passes understanding. Uh, it, it's, we, we taste it now. Uh, and it is good, but it, it will continue to, to grow and develop in us uh, ever the more as we are healed and sanctified. So, yes, the spirit of adoption initiates that, that procedure. And it says, takes our weak, we don't know how to pray, we, we groan, and he groans for us, right? So there's this, uh, the ministry of the spirit to us. So the spirit has a lot to say about our everyday experience of God's love and the work of sanctification in us. So both on the beginning end of adoption and on sanctification. So that's that's a good question. Thank you. Uh, does that help? 
It makes it makes. I always have trouble with prepositions. <laughs> I, I never understand. Oh. Like, why is it of God and not from God? Uh huh. You know, I just. It's both. Yeah, spirit I from God. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't understand yeah. why they picked the ones they did. Yeah. Yeah. Spirit of adoption. Yeah. He's yeah. Spirit. He calls him spirit of truth in John uh, sixteen. Okay. So again, it's it's a it's a at that point he's using this descriptor to, to mm-hmm. communicate. Kind of sounds like a rename. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Holy it's a nickname. He's adoption. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the uh, the spirit of Christ in some places. So, so yeah. So, so thank you for that question. I hope I hope that's uh, clarifying. Uh, now, let's look at uh, Hebrews one fourteen, real quick. We'll, we'll wrap up with this. Hebrews one fourteen. Like, what in the world? Uh, okay, one fourteen. Uh, now he's speaking of angels. And he says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? We spoke of adoption as being a family term uh, about inheritance. You are the sons of God, male and female, sons of God. So it says here, are not all these angels ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So. If the Lord takes these angelic beings and, and delivers them over to serve you know, uh, Robin, Julius, uh, you know, Sandy, I'm just throwing names around there. If he cares enough to, to send spirits to you and serve you, then how should we can't consider these individuals? Very important. Uh, very, very, very blessed. Very, we should... We should we should extol them as our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should serve them, love them uh, in the same way God would serve with, with ministering spirits for them. We should seek to minister to them uh, in love as God loves us. So this is a huge, uh, huge truth. When we get the adoption angle that we're not just justified, but we're adopted, we start to see our whole vision of what our ministry is expand to bring glory for our father in heaven and service to our brother and sister uh, and, and not just our neighbor but our brother and sister whom god loves and serves so this is a huge huge point so all right with that said i hope that you will take these uh, benefits and pray through them this week look at them see the scriptural proofs for them and consider which of these uh, encourages you and strengthens you in your faith this week. That would be a great uh, application of this uh, doctrine of adoption for your joy uh, and your glory of God and service of your neighbor, uh, and, your, and especially your brother and sister in Christ. So with that said, um, I'll close with this little quote here. It says, Adoption is the highest proof of love which one can bestow on another, except dying for him, and Christ has done both for us. Beautiful words. Beautiful words. Isn't that great? Uh, double the double Savior, the double Lord, our Lord Jesus, who gives us all. Let's pray and we'll wrap it up. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for giving us this lesson from your word through the pages of the Old and New Testament and how you have now bestowed upon your people the title Sons of God uh, as you have uh, given us this plan for from, from eternity, you revealed it, and now the mystery of, of Christ, you have unfurled and and have declared, uh, opened up to us in the gospel and, and we thank you for the way that uh, we uh, share in righteousness and inheritance and in all the discipline chastening care and and, and joy of knowing you as our heavenly father so we ask you father to 
to care for us even this day, build us up as a church, prepare your hearts for worship, and, and, and let us bring glory to you and service toward our brother and sister in Christ, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, thank you. Meet somebody you don't know. I'll see you in 12 minutes or thereabouts.